Welcome to Industry Focus, the podcast that dives into a different sector of the stock market every day. It's Friday, December 9th, and we're talking about how Sirius is seriously interested in Pandora. Ooh. I'm your host, Dylan Lewis, and I'm joined in the studio by David Kretzman. How's it going? Good to be here, man. Thanks for having me. You couldn't contain your excitement with that lead-in. <sighs> that was impressive. I was, Simon Erickson would be proud. I'm, I was I was pretty proud of it. When I wrote <laughs> it, be. I kind of like snickered to myself as I was writing it uh, up in the editorial pod before. But yeah, news came out last week that Sirius XM's chairman, Greg Maffei, reached out to Pandora Media and expressed interest in a potential takeover. No firm details at the moment, but we've seen some speculation in the market. I think it kind of lent itself to a pretty fun episode. I know you and Chris briefly touched on it in Foolery. We're going to do more of a deep dive this week. Yeah, looking forward to it. Uh, so today, basically going to run through the history between these two companies, what a deal might look like, and whether it really makes sense. And there's kind of a convoluted structure that might make this look uh, a little bit better uh, upon further exploration than it does at first glance and just Sirius and Pandora. Um, so some history between the two companies. Liberty Media, who owns SiriusXM, I think they have about a two-thirds stake in that business. Yeah, 65%. Uh, they casually approached Pandora about a deal in the summer. And that offer, they were floating around like $15 per share, which was roughly 20% up from where the company was at the time. Pandora's board balked at that offer, kind of believing that the company's value was closer to $20 per share. And immediately after that, several outlets reported Pandora was kind of shopping itself around to the likes of Apple and Amazon. Didn't get any takers apparently, <laughs> so so this has been a back and forth uh, love saga kind of between these two companies, unrequited love I guess I, something like that. Yeah, Pan- Pandora is an interesting position. Like looking over the past like ten years or so of financials that are available for Pandora, this is a company that's never been profitable. It's never produced positive free cash flow. So when I see that, like they they lost two hundred seventy million dollars over the past year and they burned over three hundred million dollars in cash. You probably are not in a position where you can be overly picky when you're when you're trying to find suitors to potentially acquire you. So I, I think Pandora needs this more than Sirius or Liberty or whoever you know Apple or Amazon or whoever they think might want to acquire them. So I I look at this and I don't think Pandora has a whole lot of negotiating leverage at this table. And I think the further and further out we get, you know, if you talked about Pandora as a business two years ago, and what they offer versus maybe on-demand streaming. You'd say, yeah, I think the two can coexist. I was a firm believer in that, just because the the passive listening and kind of the music recommendation side of Pandora seemed strong enough to protect them from people that just wanted to listen to the music they wanted to listen to at that time. Spotify's done a really good job with their curated playlists, and their offering is a lot more compelling now because you can get that curated feel and listen to the new Bonnie Vare album that you just want to plow right through. You know, you can listen to anything anytime, and, yeah. and that's a really compelling uh, value proposition for consumers. And Spotify now has 40 million subscribers to that service. Apple Music, which just launched last year, has 20 million subscribers already. Those are the big players. Amazon just came out with a service uh, for Prime members that's eight dollars a month, and then four dollars a month if you're just listening through your Amazon Echo device. YouTube Music is also getting off the ground a little bit, and Pandora still hasn't uh, come out with an on-demand streaming service. Supposedly, it's going to come out later this year, but the company is still very dependent on that free ad-based model. They do have about 80 million active listeners, so people who listen every month or so. But Pandora's just been very slow adapting to what's a very clearly shifting landscape with, with music streaming. Yeah, they've let competition pass them by in a way that's kind of surprising because 
they were really the first player out here doing this and and making music available in this way um, as a mainstream service. And uh, the tough thing for them is even when they roll out this on-demand streaming option, it's going to be an uphill battle because they're competing against people that have kind of commoditized music in a lot of ways, right? Yeah, it's hard to differentiate yourself with music now because. Are you going to be able to listen to songs that you can't get on Apple Music or Spotify or Amazon? I don't know. That that's a tough thing to do. So maybe you you see some of these companies start doing what Netflix is doing with original content with with TV and movies. Maybe something like that happens, but it's hard if you're not already part of an established ecosystem like uh, Apple and Amazon. I think those are great examples where the music just fits into an ecosystem that they already have with the App Store or Amazon Prime. Pandora doesn't really have that, so it's going to be an uphill battle, like you said, to acquire customers from people who are already used to streaming through Spotify, Amazon, Apple, or a lot of the other solutions already out there. And those big businesses don't need music to be meaningful for them financially. Right. If anything, you know, it can be a loss leader for them if it makes their core offering that much stronger. And if you're a standalone business trying to make it work on your own, it's a lot tougher. Yeah, and and you, th- I, I look at that and. Music streaming really is becoming more of a commodity type of business, which you wouldn't have really anticipated maybe five years ago or so. But Amazon already upping the ante, saying, "Okay, we'll charge eight dollars a month." And I think inevitably you're just going to see that price keep ticking down, and it will be an increasing challenge for companies to to offer something that's different from the other competing options out there. So maybe. I think consolidation is inevitable at this point, but I don't know if Pandora is really all that attractive of a target if a company is trying to amp up their offerings. So the landscape being a little bit different, I think one other factor that might might push Pandora to be a little bit more interested in the deal is Corvex Management. It's a hedge fund run by Keith Meister. They have a fairly large stake in Pandora. I believe it's around ten percent. And they have reportedly pushed the company to explore a sale. Do you know when they when they acquired that stake? I, I think wonder. it was in the spring. Okay. Yeah. So they're probably yeah itching for for a sale. Yeah. Get out ahead. And so it's a lot tougher when you have someone kind of breathing down your neck with a significant stake in your company, <laughs> telling you that you should be looking to find a buyer. Um, so there might be some more pressure there. Uh, if you're looking for numbers and what this might look like, something kind of making the rounds in the news this week was one Oppenheimer analyst. Establishing a target of eighteen to twenty-one dollars as a kind of uh, takeover value for Pandora shares. At the high end, that values Pandora at twice what it was trading at just a few weeks ago, which is pretty wild. I mean, it doesn't seem like a huge premium based on where they are now, which is uh, around fourteen dollars or so. Yeah, so you know that'd be about thirty-three percent premium, but to be doubling basically, uh, it's it's impressive. <laughs> um, <laughs> Not bad. I will say uh, this is far from a done deal. Uh, many reports. Have services week that Pandora is also looking for other bidders. Um, we'll see how that goes. Yeah, I think the thought there is that gives them some leverage if they can find somebody. But um, it's it's hard not to see that and think about what happened with Twitter and Salesforce earlier this year. And if you have a dancing partner, stick with your dancing <laughs> partner because the music's going to stop and you're going to be standing alone on the dance floor. Yeah, and you'll have no one to kiss on New Year's Eve. So. <laughs> exactly, right? We're closing up to that time. That was, I think, as good as my serious, serious pun earlier. You're, you're on a roll today, Dylan. That was really solid. I'm, I'm glad you're bringing it, too. <laughs> uh, so, what would a deal like for these, look like for these companies? Sirius is a $22 billion market cap company. And based on the deal estimates I talked about, Pandora would probably be about a $4 billion buy, roughly, we'll say. 
Uh, Sirius has about $550 million in cash right now, and about $5.7 billion in long-term debt. It's not going to be a cash acquisition in terms nope. of funded by cash. <laughs> this looks like it would be debt or a share-based deal. Um, you think about the size of the market caps, and it's not a huge acquisition, it's not a huge bite, but you look at what it would be doing for them on their financials, this would be a pretty big bet for Sirius. Yeah, it definitely would. And Sirius is in a decent financial position. They are generating about $1.4 billion in free cash flow annually. It's a very attractive business model that they have. They dominate satellite radio. They have no competition there. And they're installed in about 75% of new cars that come off the lot. So they have long-term contracts with Ford, Toyota, and stuff to have that satellite radio technology pre-installed in the cars, and then they just tried to convert new car buyers to become subscribers. So it's a very lucrative model if you can continue to attract and retain subscribers. So they are generating a lot of cash, and they've really, over the past few years, they've bought back a lot of stock. I think the share count is down about 25% over the past few years. So, they're not necessarily a fast grower, but right now, Sirius has about 31 million subscribers. That's up from around 20 million in 2011. So, it has been kind of a surprising, growing business. You wouldn't necessarily think satellite radio would be a hit, but when you have essentially no competition, you have long-term contracts with all the major auto manufacturers, they've done pretty well. But it will be it would be interesting to see where Pandora would fit into Sirius. Right now, Sirius does have a mobile app, so you can stream and listen to some of their content, including some music, on the app. It's not a very robust offering, so perhaps Pandora is a way for them to boost their their mobile content, their digital content. I don't know if Sirius would ever offer a standalone streaming service or something where you can subscribe and listen to the Howard Stern show or the Ellen show or whatever it might be in addition to all the the music options that Pandora brings that could be one option or maybe it's just something to complement their existing service but looking at the financial situation of Pandora now I would want manage I would want serious management to outline a compelling case for how can they turn Pandora around when Pandora, after 10 years of being the first mover and the top dog in the industry for a long time, how is Pandora going to turn that around and become you know, a profitable addition to, to Sirius? That, that question needs to be answered, I think, for shareholders to be happy with any sort of deal. Yeah, and you look at what Pandora has been going through, and Sirius buying them would not be them acquiring customers and the potential for Dramatically more customers. You right. know their their user growth has been pretty stagnant lately, <laughs> and so the people that use the service really like it, and listener hours are actually trending nicely. But they've they've had trouble acquiring new users, and for them to drop a lot of money and to make a more kind of digital streaming type play, I think you want something that is clearly resonating with that audience and and isn't just kind of flatlining. Yeah, and and you think about it, that that could be one way that Pandora and Sirius differentiate themselves in in the streaming space. If you have additional radio content, like Sirius has long-term contracts with Howard Stern and a lot of other entertainers, performers, um, you know, radio personalities. If you bring complement that with the music streaming, that's something that Amazon and Apple and Spotify don't really have. So that could be one way that uh, Sirius makes a a bigger Entrance into the space with more of a competitive advantage, so I could see that working out. But again, it would just have to be spelled out very clearly, I think, for shareholders of Sirius to be happy with the deal. And Sirius has not been quiet about 
seeing the difference in how Pandora operates relative to the other streamers and saying they like it. Um, actually, at a June investor conference, Sirius XM's chief financial officer, David Freer, said, among the streaming companies, Pandora has a better opportunity for a solid business model. And I don't know if the idea there is their content library doesn't need to be nearly as big because it's not on demand. Mm-hmm. Um, they're still paying per stream uh, for fees, which can make it tough. I mean, I, I think royalty payments make up about half of their revenue. So mm-hmm. it, it's really tough to make the numbers work. By contrast, I think for Sirius, it's like 11% or something like that. So huge difference there. But they, they see something. I don't mm-hmm. know if it's valid with what they see, but they seem compelled with the type of business model that they have. Yeah, it would be interesting to see if they see any sort of, I'm going to use the word, synergies between the content that they have with Sirius and the content of Pandora, or if they would want Pandora to be a standalone offering. I, I look at it now, and, and similar to you, it, it clearly hasn't worked up to this point financially. Like, something's got to give <laughs> for the company to actually become cash positive and, and profitable on a consistent basis. So maybe there's some way they can combine the two and make, make it work. Another reason that you know, this should be taken seriously. Is the board of directors at Sirius is just stacked with media heavyweights. You have John Malone, who's obviously the the mogul behind Liberty Media, but you also have former presidents and CEOs of and, and current CEOs in some cases of ESPN, Directv, Discovery. So Sirius has, as as far as a board of directors go, and if this board of directors is interested, then that should be. Taken seriously, they they obviously see something with Pandora. To me, it's still not completely clear what that is. But if they can spell it out and make a compelling case, then I think shareholders would be on board because it is a substantial financial commitment uh, for Sirius. So it, it'll be interesting to see if we learn anything more. <laughs> yeah, you mentioned John Malone, and that's where there's some nuance here that kind of gets beyond just what we see in the headlines. So. This time around, I've seen Greg Maffei and its build chairman of Sirius approaching um, Pandora as you know for an inquisition. Last time around, it was Greg Maffei, CEO of Liberty, <laughs> and so it's curious to see how they decide to go about this because strategically, it might be a little bit different if Liberty's pulling the strings and ultimately winds up making the deal happen. Um, Sirius is majority owned by Liberty, like we talked about. Liberty could decide to basically pair that streaming service, Pandora, with the concert and ticketing business, Live Nation, which they own about a third of, basically. And Pandora has seen a ton of success in using its platform to sell concert tickets through Ticketfly, which they acquired a little while back. Right. Um, that's a very small part of their business now, but you see those types of pairings. And an acquisition makes more sense. It's just how involved in the other Liberty properties might Pandora be once it's under their umbrella, or will it be something that is siloed too serious because it's they're the acquirer and that's it? I, I doubt it. I think they'd probably explore pretty much anything and everything. Right. But um, that's that's certainly a cool thing to watch. I think when you start thinking about it that way, a deal makes a lot more sense. Definitely, and it, it's not surprising to. To see those nuances here, because John Malone and Liberty—they are the kings of spin-offs, mergers, just all sorts of wonky deals to just maximize the financial value of any sort of transactions like this. But that is a really interesting point because, again, I think when you're approaching this acquisition, it's how how can you make Pandora different from other streaming options? And 
whether it's through Liberty or Sirius, I think there are some ways that you could see that happening, exactly what route they take. I think that's the question that'll be on shareholders' mind if, if an offer is indeed made. But there are a lot of properties under that Liberty umbrella beyond even Live Nation or or Sirius that that could build more of a moat around that Pandora listener experience. So certainly a lot to think about for Sirius shareholders. Pandora shareholders, yay or nay on this? I think at this point, Pandora on its own has just had no success and they've been behind the competition moving toward that on-demand streaming option. Supposedly it's it's coming out, but I think if you have an offer from from Sirius or Liberty, those are as, as far as media companies go, that they're really the crown jewels. So I I would go for the offer. Yeah, I am a Pandora shareholder. I was thinking about getting out of my position a little while back, and then they made that Ticketfly acquisition, and I just thought that it was so compelling. And I love the online ticketing space. Right now, that business is only about six percent of their top line, so mm-hmm. um, it, it's not grown into a meaningful part. It's I think it's kind of firing, and it's what they expect. But mm-hmm. the ramp for that to really take off is kind of long, and <laughs> it's going to have to require some patience. Um, so my feeling is. A deal will probably come in around my cost basis, maybe slightly above it. Um, that would be great. I, my general feeling with this is, like you said, Pandora has had plenty of time to try to figure it out as a company, and shareholders have given it a lot of leash. And if someone else sees a lot of value in that property, let them roll with it and kind of see what happens. An early Christmas present for you, yeah. Oh it, yeah, it, it's a type of thing where it's one thing to own an unprofitable company if it's growing and there's. You can see like a clear market opportunity to for the company to grow into. In which case, it makes sense. Yeah, reinvest back in the business. It's okay to sacrifice profits today if there are bigger profits waiting for you in a few years. But in the case of Pandora, it's not really clear that that's the case. And and the company has struggled to to generate any sort of lasting, consistent success for shareholders. So in that in that case, I think yeah, Pandora is probably better off, a lot better off. Being a part of Sirius or Liberty and just that whole media ecosystem empire that John Malone and company have put together. So I think for Pandora shareholders, especially if it was a stock offering or something, and you were given partial shares in Sirius or Liberty, that would definitely be an attractive deal. Well, listeners, that does it for this episode of Industry Focus. You've probably heard some of the other hosts talk about it earlier in the week, but we want your book recommendations. We'll be doing a show later this month discussing some great investing books. David, do you have any off the top of your head? One Up on Wall Street, Peter Lynch. Everyone says it, but it's it's my favorite. <laughs> well, we're going to be doing a show later this month. Um, we'd love to have some listeners send us some of their favorites. Uh, it might be great for some last-minute gift ideas for the investor in your life. Um, so, if you shoot us an email with your favorites, we'll be sure to include it in the show and also send along the final list that we collect. So, if you shoot us an email at industryfocus at fool.com or you tweet us at mfindustryfocus, uh, we can get those over to you. If you're looking for more of our stuff, subscribe on iTunes or check out the Fool's family of shows at fool.com slash podcasts. As always, people on the program may own companies discussed on the show, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against stocks mentioned. So don't buy or sell anything based on what you hear. For David Kretzman, I'm Dylan Lewis. Thanks for listening, and Fool on. Fool on.